Today we are doing part two. Keys to the anointing as revealed in the tabernacle of Moses. I'm going to have to go back a little bit for the purpose of those who are not with us here yesterday and just show you a few things there. Exodus 25, we read the New King James Version. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly, with his heart you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair. Ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood or shittim wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its finishing just so you shall make it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. And so yesterday we saw how the Old Testament speaks to us in types and shadows. These are object lessons, pictures, stories, things that point to the real that was to come in the New Testament. So we said as we study the tabernacle of Moses, we're going to look at two major things about it. There's a lot we can look at it on, but only two things. Number one, we're going to look at it typically in terms of types, mainly how we see in the tabernacle the Lord Jesus Christ, typified by many things. We're also going to look, as we look at it, how those types also speak to us about the steps to the anointing. But secondly, we're going to look at the tabernacle of Moses practically and experientially. In other words, we want to learn the truths from the tabernacle that we can apply in our daily life. And so I showed you a picture of the tabernacle and just to try and give it to you in a brief way, this is a bird's eye view. When you came to the tabernacle, you came through that side from the east. It had to be positioned this way. And you come through there, the gate, and the first thing you meet is the altar of burnt offerings. Thereafter is the bronze laver. Then you go through another gate or another entrance there into that other area called the holy place. That's where you'll find the golden lampstand, the table of showbread, the altar of incense. And then you go through another door or another gate, if you would, wherein you would find there the Ark of the Covenant. So the tabernacle basically was made up of two distinct areas, the most holy place and the holy place, or the holy of holies and the holy place. And then you had this whole yard, which is called the outer court, which was fenced around. I'm going to show you in a short while. There's another picture there that speaks of the tabernacle as we see it there. Now, we said the purpose for this, when God told them to build him the tabernacle, 
This was the whole purpose. And I like this picture here. This is very nice, actually. Okay, we'll go to the next one. All right, it's okay. The purpose of the tabernacle, it's found in Exodus 25, verse 8. It's on the slide. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So we said, God has always desired to dwell in the midst of his redeemed people. But he can only dwell in our midst on his own terms and at his own grounds. Okay? So we saw yesterday that, of course, this has been fulfilled in the New Testament in that God dwells individually in our hearts as believers. Everybody who's born again, we know as 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So God dwells in you as an individual. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God indwells you. Your body is that tent. Your body is that tabernacle. Your body is that sanctuary. Your body is that house. He dwells inside of us. But then secondly, God dwells corporately or collectively inside of us as the church, the body of Christ. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. 1 Peter 2, verse 5 and 6 says, You also are living stones. You have been built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are living stones. Somebody say living stones. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a living stone. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't try to act like a dead stone. You are a living stone. So we are living stones. All right, so we read in Exodus 25. I want us to go back there and I want you to note the things that are mentioned because we want to remind ourselves of them. The Lord spoke to the Moses and speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart and he will take my offering. This is the offering which shall take. Everybody say gold, gold. Silver, silver, bronze, bronze. Blue, blue, purple, purple. scarlet thread, fine linen, Goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood or shitty wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. Now yesterday we said all those material, all that material, all of them are types that speak of Christ. All of them. We're just doing a refresher course. Are you all, are you all there? So we said gold speaks of what? Ah, you've already failed the text. Gold speaks of what? Gold speaks of what? Divinity. So wherever you see gold, it speaks of divinity. Something that's divine. Something that is godly. And then we said silver speaks of what? Hello? Silver speaks of what? Redemption. Wherever you see silver, it speaks of being redeemed. We are always redeemed with silver or we are bought with silver. All right. And then bronze speaks of what? Suffering or brass. Bronze or brass interchangeably. It speaks of suffering. So we said already in these three metals, we see Jesus. Jesus the divine gold who suffered bronze to bring us redemption silver. So in these three elements already it's telling us about Jesus and what he came to do. Jesus the divine gold who brings to us what? Redemption. Which is silver through his what? Suffering which is bronze. Alright. I want to remind people here. I'll go slowly then. But then we also found there are three, four colors in, the, in, 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 in what God has mentioned that were supposed to also be represented there in the tabernacle. 
Somebody say blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen. Say it again, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen. Very interesting that these four colors are actually found in the four gospels. It's the four colors of the gospels. And every gospel presents Christ in a certain office. So these four colors speak of the four gospels or the four offices of Jesus. Here we go. Blue talks about what? Jesus who? The son of God. So wherever you see blue, talks about Jesus, the son of God. Purple speaks of what? Royalty. Oh, you are learning, eh? Or you are copying the notes. Oh, you already know. One of the two. Royalty. We are talking about Jesus who? Come on now. Jesus who? The king. Scarlet thread speaks of what? Red. Uh, Jesus who? The savior through what? The blood that is what? That is red. Fine linen was actually white in color. It speaks of who? Jesus who? The perfect sinless man. This is just a, revi- a, re- a revision. Tell your neighbor it's a revision. Tell your neighbor it's a revision. It's a revision. And then we find goat's hair. Goat's hair speaks, prophets used to wear clothes made out of goat's hair. All right? So goat's hair speaks of two things. It speaks of the prophet, but it also speaks of sin. So goat's hair speaks of Jesus the prophet, but the prophet who became sin. All right? So that's goat's hair. Now watch this. So these four colors, as we said, represent the four gospels. Because in the book of John, Jesus is blue there. He is presented as Jesus, the son of God. In Matthew, Jesus is purple because he's presented as Jesus royalty, Jesus the king. In Luke, Jesus is red because Jesus is presented as the savior of the world through his blood. And in Mark, Jesus is white because Jesus is presented as Jesus, the perfect man. Are you there, Bazalan? And then we have other material. Ram skins dyed red. The ram is a leader. So Jesus, the leader. Badger skin. We are told that badger skin is the ugliest skin that you can find. So it's Jesus who bore the ugliness of sin. Shittim wood. Shittim wood is a kind of wood you find in the Middle East that does not rot. It doesn't get corrupted. Wood speaks of humanity or the flesh. So Shittim wood is talking of Jesus who is in the flesh. He's human, but he is incorruptible. It says in the book of Psalms, you will not suffer your Holy One to see corruption. We're coming there. Stay with me. Stay with me. So we find also oil for the light. Watch this now. Oil speaks of the anointing. And then we find spices for the anointing oil. Spices and incense, they speak of worship. But then we find stones for the ephod and the breastplate. Stones are symbolic of the church, the body of Christ. And so it's interesting that even in the tabernacle, the layout of the tabernacle, look at the next picture. In the layout of the tabernacle, we see there the picture of the cross. Because as you enter, you see the brazen altar. As you move on, you see the laver. As you move on, on the left, you see the candlestick. On the right, you see the table of showbread. Then you come to the golden altar, and then you go to the ark. It's all about Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Now, So the tabernacle, therefore, as we said, it had two sections, the holy place and the holy of holies. Now note, this is where we pick up today. The tabernacle was surrounded by a fence that was made out of white linen. Watch this next picture. There it is. So there's the tabernacle right there. That thing with a blackish covering. Right around that is the yard And all of that, as you can see, and I like this, 
is all made out of white linen. And then if you were to look at these poles, you will see these poles are silver at the top and they are brass at the bottom. And you see these poles are held by strings, strings which were made out of goat's hair. And at the bottom, they have a peg or a nail that was made out of brass. And God gave Moses strict instructions that when you put this nail, you mustn't knock it all the way inside. It must be half inside. Now watch this. Watch this. This is important. The fence is also interesting because these poles that are silver at the top, brass at the bottom, they are made out of shittim wood. Are you there, Bazalon? So here we go. I want to show you. Just in a pole, in a rope, and a nail, Watch. So, Kore, when you enter just the surrounding, before you even come inside, just the surrounding, Jaina, it's Jesus already. It's, 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 it's the white, the linen, Jesus, the perfect man. You remember Jesus, the perfect man? And then the poles are shitty mood. It's Jesus, the incorruptible wood man. At the top, it's silver. Who is a redeemer? Ah, you are not hearing me, Basalam. So at the top, he is. Okay, let me go. Let me go to the next slide. I'm, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So each pole. Let's go to the next slide, please. I'm sorry. I'm getting too anointed. So the, the fence was held up with a, had a, the pole rather had a silver cap at the. At the top, and at the bottom, it was brass. Are you there, Bazalanane? Sorry, I'm trying to find my place in the notes here. Okay. And then, next slide. Next slide. And then we had that white linen that was all around, which I've already told you, it had uh, the the, 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 the poles there were made out of shit and move, which it talks about Jesus, the incorruptible man. All right? So each pole, next slide, each pole, therefore, is held to the ground through the rope. Okay, so here we go. On the pole, here we go. At the top, you see silver on the pole. It is Jesus the Redeemer. All right? At the bottom, it's brass. It's Jesus the Savior. And this pole, which is made out of shitty mood, okay, is held by a string made out of goat's hair. This is the prophet who suffered. Watch. And this thing is held with a peg which is half in the ground. This is a Jesus who died and rose again. So, when they looked at the pole, the rope and the nail, they saw the fullness of Jesus. But the sad thing is, they never ever realized what they were looking at. Because it was all hidden from them. So every time they walked into this thing, they, Jesus, even before Cana, get Joseph in. You haven't even entered. Already this thing is talking about Jesus. Now note, you haven't even gotten to the Holy of Holies. I'm heading somewhere with you. And then when you came to the gate, the entrance of the gate, it was a gate, but it was made out of material, cloth, which had four colors. Now, come on now, Bazalan. What are the four colors? Yeah? Yeah? Uh So when you came, just... When you came in, you had those four colors. Blue, purple, 
scarlet and white. No, in other words, nobody could even enter into the courtyard without seeing these colors. So these colors preached to the children of Israel for 400 years. And these colors spoke about Jesus. These colors spoke about Jesus in Matthew, Jesus in Mark, Jesus in Luke, Jesus in John. So this now is the first key to the anointing. Watch. The first key to the anointing is knowing Jesus in his fullness. So if you want to walk in the anointing, you're going to know Jesus in his fullness. Jesus has four sides to him. Four offices that he occupies. Number one, you've got to know Jesus as king. What does it mean? You've got to know him as Lord. You've got to submit to Jesus, to his lordship. You have to submit to him, to his commandments. Jesus says, why call ye me Lord and you don't do the things that I tell you? So we will never walk in the anointing if we don't recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. If we don't honor him, if we don't respect him, if we don't do what he tells us, remember, when Lord speaks, you listen. When Lord speaks, it's not a suggestion, it is a commandment. So it's funny how people want to disobey what the Lord says, and yet they want to walk in the anointing. Let me talk about two commandments that most of us are not doing. One commandment, go you into all the world and preach the gospel. You want to walk in the anointing, but you're not preaching the gospel. You're not winning the lost. Look at your neighbor who's quiet and say, You want to walk in the anointing? You want to see the anointing? Be a soul winner. You want to experience the anointing? Be a soul winner. He's given you the commandment to go into the world and preach the gospel. The second commandment is love one another. How many people do we have in church? How many people do we have in church? How many people do we have in church? They are violating this one. They have bitterness. They have unforgiveness. They have unresolved issues. And yet they are saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is saying, you don't know me as your Lord. You will never know my anointing. Then my question is, what anointing are they walking under if they are claiming to be anointed when they are not obeying the Lordship of Jesus? Yeah. The more you know him as Lord, the more you submit to his royalty, the more you submit to him being king of your life, the more you allow him to be in control of every part of your life, it is the more the anointing is going to flow in your life. Yeah. But oftentimes people don't do that. You've got to know that part of Jesus. But then you must also know Jesus as the perfect man. So that you can identify with him. In other words, in everything that you went through, Jesus went through that thing. And because he's a perfect man and he lived on this earth, he understands what you're going through. Thirdly, you've got to know him as savior of your life. You've got to explore that concept of him being savior. You must understand what it means to be born again, born. You must understand the benefits that came to you through the cross. You must understand the benefits that came to you in Christ. If you don't understand him as savior, you cannot walk in the fullness of his anointing. If you don't understand that side of Jesus, you're not going to walk in the fullness of that anointing. But then you have to know him again, my goodness, as the son of God. That's John. In other words, so that Jesus can be your high priest. When you understand the ministry of Jesus as your high priest, when you understand that he ever lives to make intercession for you, when you understand that he takes your prayers and brings them before God, when you understand that Jesus takes the words that you speak and he brings them before God, he is the high priest of our confession. When you understand that role of Jesus in your life, you will walk in the anointing of God. But many people don't understand Jesus in his fullness. So watch this, Barcelona. This is important. All the men and women who've ever walked in the fullness of the anointing or in whose life the anointing was evident, there were men and women who knew Jesus in all sides. Catherine Kuhlman was known to say this. 
She was a powerful woman. When she walked into a place, the anointing walked into the place. This is what she was known to say, and I quote, if you want to have the anointing of God, just make Jesus real. End of quote. And this is why in our churches, as we talk about Jesus, as we make him real to people, his anointing begins to flow. Yeah, as we lift Jesus up and we tell people everything that is there about Jesus, the anointing will flow. I don't understand the anointing. I don't understand what is going on. I wonder if the anointing or it's something else. People who know Jesus in his fullness, even the way they talk when they pray, they talk differently. If you read the way Abraham talked to God, when God wanted to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he understood the fullness of who God was. And because he understood the fullness of who God was, he knew how to call on God for God to release his anointing. I mean, you don't talk to God like that when God is in a happy mood. But Abraham says to God, you cannot go over there. Rather, Moses, rather, I want to say, says to God, you cannot destroy the children of Israel. What will the people say? Abraham as well. He asked God, if there's 40 people in that place, will you destroy the, pe- will you destroy the place? I always talk about Babungit. This man was so anointed. And because of the way he knew Christ, you could tell in the way he prayed, it looks like people who know Christ in his fullness, they have a funny way of conversing with God. Their prayer is not a structured prayer that has been rehearsed. Their prayer is that of someone that they are talking to who understands what they're saying. And it looks like God can allow them to ask things that the rest of us mortal beings cannot ask for. Because they know God. But that's what Paul was saying, really. In Philippians 3.10, note. He says that I might know him. Oh. That I might know him. I want to know Jesus. All the sides to him. I want to know him as Lord. I want to know him as the... The, the, I want to know him as my high priest. I want to know him as the son of man. I want to know Jesus in his fullness. Notice says that I might know him. Then he says, and the power of his resurrection. In other words, it's the knowing of him that opens the door to the fullness of the power of his resurrection. Oh my God. When you begin to know him through his word and you know him through prayer and you know him on all his sides, there's a door that opens to you. You find out so much about Jesus that you didn't know before. Can I hear an amen in the house? I wanted to go and study it. I didn't have the time to develop this one. And I've just written the verses. It struck me when I was studying this for the first time. I then realized, you know, many of us don't understand the full content of what the early church preached. We know it in part. Go and read it. I couldn't understand why when Peter stood up to preach on the day of Pentecost. There you go. You got it, my friend. All sides. And it's only after you present Jesus in his fullness that the power falls. You see, if you look at the way the early believers preached, it says that in Acts, if you read Acts chapter 4 verse 2 and Acts chapter 4 verse 33, it talks about how they went and they preached the resurrection of Jesus. It looks like their genre of gospel was presenting all the four colors of Jesus. No wonder when we read in Mark chapter 16 about them, Utairing, Let's have Mark 16, 20, please. Maybe the verse. You know, after Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Remember, the understanding of preaching the gospel was to preach that whole genre. Not just cut and paste and bits and pieces to preach the whole thing about who Jesus is and everything. And they went out and they preached everywhere. Mamelang, look the anointing. And the Lord working with them. Why? Because, you see, the door to the anointing, it's the fullness of Jesus in the four colors. That's how you entered here. 
You have to walk through all these four colors and you enter. You are getting closer to the anointing and the presence of God. But you've got to go through these four colors. And so when they preached the fullness of who Jesus was, note, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with accompanying signs. One translation says, and confirming the word with what? With attesting miracles. Why? God attests to who you said Jesus is. You present him as savior, God will confirm that. You present him as the high priest, God will confirm that. You present him as the one who understands, who's touched by the feelings of our infirmity, God will confirm that. Can I hear an amen? And God keeps confirming. When I read this, then I asked myself, what am I preaching? Do I present him in his fullness? I ask myself second question. Do I know him in his fullness? Because if I don't, I'm not going through that gate. That's the first key. Knowing Jesus in his fullness. Children of Israel walked in there every time they didn't understand what God was saying. It's all Jesus. But then when you came through the gate the first thing you met is the altar of sacrifice. This is where sacrifices were made. Where blood was spilled. Animals were sacrificed. Blood came. So the second key to the anointing is the blood. I want to show you something that's powerful, Bazalani. So as you came into, through the gate, you came to the altar of sacrifice. Note, Bazalan, I want us to read three scriptures and I want to show you something that many of us don't know. In the Old Testament, the blood always worked with oil. Always. You read Leviticus, you read Numbers, you read Exodus. The blood always worked with oil. That was prophetic. That was prophetic. So, watch. So, you have to touch that blood first before you're going to get the anointing oil there. Let's read some scriptures. I want you to have them up on the screen for me, please. I didn't write them down. Exodus 29, verse 21. And you shall take some blood that is on the altar. And what? Can you lay your hand on the brother's head there and just wake them up for me? I, I can see you were, you were waiting to do that, Msipa. I can see. Let's read together. It says, and you shall do what? You shall take some blood that is on the altar and some of the Huh? You take blood and blood and blood and and what will you do? On Aaron and his garments and his sons and on the garments of his sons and he and his garments shall be hallowed or set aside. And his sons and his sons garments with him. The blood always works with the oil. I'm taking you somewhere there. Tell, you, say, tell your neighbor, the blood always works with the oil. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 8 verse 30. Leviticus 8 30. Note it says, And Moses took what? Some of the anointing oil. And what? And what? And what did he do? He sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments, on his sons, on the garments of his sons. And he did what? He consecrated Aaron his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. Go then to Leviticus chapter 14, verse 17. And I've just, I've just written a few. There's far more. And of the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some of the tip of the right ear on him who is to be cleansed. The thumb of his right hand and on the big toe on his right foot and the blood of the trespass offering. This is when the priest cleansed the lepers. 
when lepers were cleansed, they would come to the priest and the priest would take the oil, put it on the tip of the right ear, cleaning them on the thumb. He would do the same thing for them. And not only did he put the oil, he would also put the blood. Somebody say the blood. So important. The blood is a very important part of the gospel that we preach. The blood. Preaching that doesn't talk about Jesus, the blood, and yet purports the supernatural is dangerous preaching. God was showing us here that you are not going to reach the anointing before you deal with the blood. You got to put Christ and his blood where he belongs because that is the only safe filter. That's the only safe door to access the real Magoya genuine anointing. Or otherwise, if you want to access the anointing and you are not putting the blood in its rightful place, you may access some supernatural power, but it may not be the power of God. But let me just share something with you today. We see today on television people being prayed for and the supernatural in inverted commas happening. Hours and hours of services where people are ministered to, prayed for, prophesied, all kinds of things are said. Not a single mention of Jesus. Not a single mention of one verse. Not a single attention to the blood of Jesus. And yet when you look, you can see there is a supernatural power that is involved. And our generation, because they don't understand that, they don't understand the only safe way to access the safe power is to go through the blood. Oh, come on now. Because there are many supernatural experiences. There are many forces. There are many voices. There are many powers. But it's not all of them that are God. The only way we can make sure what I'm getting is God is to go through the blood. And I want to speak as a prophet tonight. People don't realize they're exposing themselves to divination witchcraft. Today, even when demons are cast out, it's no longer done in the name of Jesus. Who to follow fire? Jesus told us the head of the church, Jesus, the purple Jesus, the king of kings. He said when you cast out demons, don't use fire, don't use water, don't use snakes. Use the name, the name, the name, the name, Jesus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so when you see people shaking, rolling, supernatural, we think it's God's power. The only safe way to the right power is through the blood. Any other way, and Let me do what Dr. Noaka does. Sit down. I want to say something you can stand again, but you can sit down for now. Bazalan, I was telling the pastors in our earlier session, I am grieved in my spirit, deeply disturbed. I bumped onto a channel the other day, and I don't usually watch. My wife knows that I'm not very keen to watch some of this because I don't want to criticize. 
mara into into tse di etsagalang ao basalang maybe some of us have been too quiet eskelaring amen there's not the place to say amen now I'll tell you why i'm worried because in the teachings that many of us have received from people who've walked before us i've heard them tell stories of exactly the same things that happened years ago yeah you see when ministers want to push the anointing beyond this level then you must be worried because when you look at some of the services number one, there's no word preached there's no, there's no preaching two Jesus is not mentioned. It's all about fire, power, zoom in, zoom. I heard the other one going, zoom in, zoom out. <laughs> and it's almost like they hand pick. The prospective candidates who are coming to be prayed for. Garda are already psyched up to react and behave in certain ways. Let me share something with you. The other thing is, some of you don't see. When Jesus prayed for people who were demon possessed, Nasa is a show off. Yeah. No, Kiabu, what you not color toots. When the demon spoke, Jesus would adjure them to be quiet. Yeah. Where people are going to have a conversation with demons for the whole service. Yeah. How many are you? Return! Yeah. What is your name? Chinito. And then fire. Woo! Fire. Woo! Fire. Woo! And our generation that doesn't know God's word falls for that. Yeah. I've been around long enough to know that many of those people, things never come right for them. I look. Why? Because it's not the power of God. The minister is pushing for the supernatural beyond the scriptural boundaries. Even when God is no longer present. He wants to manifest what looks like it comes from God. So they will concoct and manufacture stuff and say things. There's no human being, no minister, no man of God whom when the anointing is on them will know everything and know everything about people. I've heard one of them say that. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. He stands up, he says... I can read your minds, all of you. And I was sitting there and I thought, never. You try to read my mind, I'll cast that demon out of you. <laughs> There's nobody, nobody. And ministers, please listen. When the anointing is on us, let's do what God tells us. But when the anointing leaves, let's stop. <laughs> but today... You find a service going on for two hours, three hours, four hours. No word, no preaching, no Jesus, no blood, no anything. But all of it is supernatural after supernatural. All kinds of things. I see somebody, your phone number is 0234. I hear a name, Mary, come on. And the descriptions are funny. 
Sometimes they describe you by your inner garments. What are you doing? Then try to go deeper. But you see, our problem is we don't understand the foundation here. That you cannot go into the real anointing outside of Jesus. Never. I, I, I heard Kenneth Hagin give this story. It was, a, it was a tough story. In the 40s, he's talking about it. You see, you see, many of us, you think these things start today. I didn't call it today. They've been going on for years. They're not, it's just that one I know they put them on television in jail. And you may think, but about them, but let's go these places. Sometimes, but they came out of the way by the way. They came out of the way by the way. They came out of the way by the way. They the hundreds of chairs that are empty. Anyhow, I don't know what He said in the 40s, there was a, a minister who was genuinely used of God. But his problem is he never developed his preaching ability. And he only relied on the gifts of the Spirit. See, when you look at Jesus, when you look at Paul, all of them had gifts of the Spirit. But when you read about them, the majority of the time they were preaching and teaching. The prophet of the Old Testament was preaching and teaching. They were not prophesying 24, 7, 365 and a quarter. No, they were not. Go read it. Go and read it. Go Jeremiah. Go Isaiah. They were preaching and teaching. Never prophet Agabus in the Bible. You prophet Lehakan. Paul was a prophet at a point. But Jesus himself operated in all the offices. But he went around preaching and teaching and healing. When I say prophecy 24, 7, 365, who is going to be better than Jesus? Huh? When the Bible talks about Jesus in John 3, he had the spirit without measure. In other words, he had the anointing that could not be measured. Now, if a man who has the anointing that cannot be measured does not prophesy 365 and a quarter days, where now prophet? What is the matter with you? Then we must ask which power are they operating by? Mazalana, let me tell you, some of you don't know. You don't know. We know this on good authority. That there is a place where some of these people go by Lorupello. It's a true story. It's true. It's in Kasibuima Bitsu. They go there, Balorupello, Abakutakwale, Banale Mataana, but they have to sell their soul and they have to trade with their innocence. And they have to temper with their honesty. Because people want to be big these days. People want to become a voice these days. Yeah. People want to be large and, 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 the, and the kick is money at the end of it. Yeah. So in the 40s, Kenneth Hagin talks about this man who was mightily used of God. But you could see when the anointing lifted from him, he would continue operating in the gifts. That's what most of us don't know. You see, when Paul and Silas were met by that girl who had the spirit of divination, she followed them for three days. Three days. And she kept on saying, these are the men who come from God, who have come to tell us the great things that are of God. Question. Was she telling the truth? Yes. yes. So demons know the truth. So about your number is 0834. When on by right. Paul only discovered on the third day, I think it was through the gifts of the descending of spirits. He realized on the third day he was aggrieved. So all of a sudden, probably he picked up something in the spirit. This is not the spirit of God. Then he said, Come out. And the evil spirit came out. And the evil spirit was telling the truth. So you think because they got your name, your name right. And they described your clothes right. You are sure it's God. So he says, this man, 
When the anointing lifted, he would continue operating in the, in the gift in inverted commas. And then he said familiar spirits would take over. Yeah. So people sitting in the service, they think it's still the power. They don't know the spirits have switched. And if you, if you have no discernment, you become gullible. It switched. He, he tells a story of a man who one day, he, he actually had lost his wife and had traveled to another city in the U.S., far from Mwadulante. You know, it had been a week, something like that. So he just gone away, just to clear his head. And on Sunday, you know, he was in a town, aside saving, but on Sunday he happened to overhear that there was going to be a service, church service at a community hall. It was in the afternoon or evening, I don't remember. But then he went there and he said when he came, the place was full. And so he sat at the back and, and a man came in white apparel and came onto the piano and started playing the piano and started playing Amazing Grace. He said, and then as he went on playing, he said the place was full of Christians. But as he went on playing, then the lights went out and just like a snap, the man who was on the platform was already right at the back. Just like that. You, you don't know? Just like that. But the funny thing is the piano continued to play. Yeah, it's supernatural. It's amazing grace. Yeah. I mean, the piano continued playing Amazing Grace. Nobody on it. True story. And the man came straight to him and said, I can see you lost your wife last week, which was true. Then he said, the spirit of your wife is here. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to talk to you. Some of you can do bits. You see, my son, all this things are going on today. I just started today. This man said, I said to this man, because he was a preacher, he said, I said to this man, yes, my wife passed on last week, but no, she cannot contact me. Because he knew the word. You see, what makes us gullible is we don't know the word. Yeah. And this man said, yes, your wife wants to speak to you. And he said, no. And he said, now this man became aggressive. That's what they do. They use fear. They push. Even when you say no, the Holy Spirit doesn't force itself on us. And this man says, when this man became aggressive, I stood up and I left. He said, the sad thing was, more than 90% of the people in there, you could see they are Christians. Yeah. And they were going there every afternoon to go and see this miraculous thing. If there's no Jesus, if there's no blood, Stay away. Check what people preach. Check what people say. Don't allow them. I heard someone years ago, and I can safely say it, who came to me because they said, Bona, God has spoken to them. Because they need to anoint me into a, a higher office. And you know, these things, they, they, are so, they are so nice. God spoke to them that they must anoint me to elevate me to a higher office. So I said, but why do I need to be elevated to a higher office? No, you must do it. God said, Kara, hang on. How come God speaks to you and he doesn't contact me? No, God said, I said, Bona, I understand God and I know God. I'm not a novice. If God wanted to elevate me, he would have told me about the elevation and he would have told me that you are coming. But it's the first time you get elevation in your house and as far as I'm concerned, I get right. And the person became very angry. Listen. 
And the person said, if you don't do it, God will punish you. And I said, I don't know which God you're talking about. But if it's your God, I'm not afraid of your God. But my God will always protect me. Yeah, yeah. They will use fear. They will use force. They will be smooth-tongued. And you note, when you are exposed to that power, there's fear in you, there's doubt, there's something in here that's not sure. And after you've been exposed to that power, you don't sleep at night anymore, there's no peace in your life anymore. You thought it was the power, but Jesus was never mentioned. Jesus was never put in the center. The word of God was never put in the center. It is some mystical force. Some mystical power. The only safe filter into the supernatural is through Jesus. It is through his blood. Through his name. Please, I beg you, never get excited with power whose source you cannot trace or verify. Because we cannot access the true power of God without Jesus being at the center. And God have mercy on us. You know what I want to do tonight? There's people here tonight. You exposed yourself. Now you know, sometimes you expose yourself and you become aware and you get out of it but the people tonight, you got exposed to what I was explaining. And your life right now, there's things that have attached themselves to your life that you don't know how to describe. Some forces that are strange. Something about you has been affected. God knew you'd be here tonight. And all those of you who are watching in all the sites, God knew you'd be here tonight. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, freedom is yours. Freedom is yours. Freedom is yours. Somebody here, ever since you've gone there, wherever it was, you, you, started, you develop fits, epilepsy. You went out under the power of God, came up, went down, came up, went down. Since that time, you've developed epilepsy. You were not epileptic. And it's a funny kind that you have. Tonight, it's your night. Some of you, you got bound by spirits, things you can't shake off. Someone here, you, you have panic attacks, fear, unusual fear that grips you. Somebody here at night when when, when, when you are sleeping, you, you have these horrible, horrible dreams. Something that attacks you all the time. Since that time, now that I'm speaking, your eyes can open, you can trace it back. Ever since I went there, ever since they prayed for me there. And in your heart, you're not settled anymore. No peace. No settledness in your heart. No calmness. But Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is here tonight. Because he's a loving God. He sent his word. 
to heal you. He sent his word to deliver you. When you walk out those doors tonight, you'll be a free person. You'll be a free person. And so don't be afraid tonight to come to him, Jesus. Because when he sets you free, you're free indeed. Free indeed. It's Jesus. Jesus. Your presence is here. Presence is here. Jesus. 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 Just pray in the spirit where you are. There is a sweet anointing in the sanctuary. There is a stillness in the atmosphere. Come and lay down the bed.